Welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Welcome to all our, or our, yeah, all of us. We're all together. Uh, all of our new listeners, and uh, welcome back to everyone who uh, continues to tune in and support the podcast. Um, heaps of feedback I've been getting uh, really recently, so thank you so much for, for obviously uh, taking taking note of what I've been saying. And it's uh, it's actually quite funny with with the podcast. It's such a unique medium because I'm just more or less talking to myself when I'm not talking to a guest. That is, and throwing it out there into cyberspace, and uh, and that's it. It's almost like me talking to a to a brick wall. <laughs> And not getting anything back. Um, I can definitely see that people are listening to it um, when I look at all the all of the stats and and whatnot. But um, sometimes when you don't hear a great deal of feedback, you really don't know um, whether people are listening all the way through or whether they're taking any notice of anything that's being uh, put out there. And and look, even if one person listened to it, it would still be worthwhile. And and for myself, it's great um, to be able to collect my thoughts and and uh, use it as a great excuse to uh, to speak to people, uh, especially for the first time or people that I normally wouldn't uh, reach out to. Um, this guest this week is uh, definitely one of those people. The uh, The guest is um, somebody who's very knowledgeable on, the, on a topic that um, I've only just recently discovered, which is mindfulness. And I'll let, I'll let the guest uh, go through and explain it in further detail. And, and he can probably explain it with, with better justice than, than I can. But um, I will attempt it um, just on a very, very uh, simplified way. But mindfulness is being aware. Um, it's being aware of the present moment. Um, we, I've, I've used this term quite a bit in, in previous podcast, podcast episodes where a lot of us are on autopilot all the time. We're constantly um, <clears throat> moving forth in life, dealing with things as they come along, at the same time getting distracted by other thoughts or other things that are happening around us, sometimes blowing things out of proportion, stressing about things that don't actually matter, um, getting ourselves worked up, um, being um, a victim of many different uh, things in our lives that uh, have negative consequences but not dealing with them properly because our mindset's not in the right way. And And awareness and mindfulness is really just acknowledging that at this point in time, this is your reality right now as we speak. And how you feel now shouldn't be fought. You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't do everything you can to remove the negative feeling, but more of an acknowledgement to understand that at this point in time, this is the way that I feel and I accept it. And then that moving forward, it will get better. And you will find that you can usually, for example, if you're angry at a situation, by stopping and, and realising that you're angry, uh, you're, you've got a better chance of getting over that feeling quicker than you would if you continued to fight it or really sort of immerse yourself and overwhelm yourself in that feeling. Um, so that's just one example. But uh, there's a lot of old sayings, and I do mention it in this episode, where um, I talk about you know crossing that bridge when it comes or if it comes. And I've always heard that term all my, all my life, but uh, it never really rang true in, until I discovered mindfulness. And uh, and um, it's certainly now, I mean, I've, I'm very new to the topic still. I've only sort of been aware of it for, for a number of months, and uh, but it's, it's already had a dramatic impact on my life. And I really hope that people can get past the, the woo-woo connotations attached to meditation and mindfulness. And, and mindfulness isn't just about meditation. It's just a, about your your awareness on a day-to-day basis and practicing that mindfulness and uh and my guest will will go through and and explain that in better detail Uh, but i do hope you get something out of this and uh, the guest that i do have this week is associate professor dr craig has said and the reason why i've reached out to him or discovered uh, craig is that he co-wrote a book called Mindfulness for Life with Dr. Stephen McKenzie. And I can't remember how this book was recommended to me. I think it was in a, it was sitting in my uh, little notepad on my iPhone. Uh, I've got a list of several, well, probably a couple of hundred books now that I still need to get. And it was recommended by somebody that must've been listening to a podcast somewhere at one point or another, and finally got to this book. And I just blindly ordered these books and then just start reading them. And, um, and I'm definitely glad I bought this book. It was fantastic. And, uh, it really goes over an overview of, of the topic of mindfulness and shows the benefits. Or as uh, as Craig mentions, 
the side effects of practicing uh, mindfulness, which are actually quite positive. So uh, I'll, I will let Craig uh, explain it all in further detail. Um, a heads up for this podcast because I'm recording this intro uh, straight after the, the actual uh, discussion that I had with Craig. So I don't know how this is going <clears> to <throat> how this is going to turn out in the editing side of things, but. Um, I was having a lot of interference uh, throughout this uh, this conversation with Craig and I'm not sure whether that was just uh, coming through my headphones or whether it's actually coming through on the recording. So if it is coming through on the recording and um, and no doubt Damien will do a good job of trying to clean up as best as he can, um, if there is still some interference there, I do apologise. Uh, just bear with me uh, as we go through it. It's definitely worth hanging on and just grinning and bearing it at different points in time. Um, but I do apologise in advance if it is there and does cause a little bit of uh, annoyance. But um, I think where I'm sitting at the moment, there's a lot of uh, gadgets buzzing and and going off at, um, at different intervals. And I think that's probably uh, a reason why I was getting the interference that I'm getting. So uh, I'll have to be a little bit more aware, <laughs> using my mindfulness, uh, a little bit more aware next time of uh, where I choose to set up and do my recording for the, for the next, uh, next episode. So uh, just a heads up in that regard. Um, all the notes, links, references that we discuss in the uh, – conversation will be uh, in the show notes on andysocial.net so please go there there'll be links to buy the books that craig has been involved with or written himself he's written a number of books there's a number of publications he's also the founding president of the australian teachers and meditation association uh he's developed an online a free online course with uh with another colleague of his um on mindfulness for well-being and peak performance um, so that's uh, that's something that I haven't uh, looked at yet, but I was aware of. So I've got to uh, check that out. That's about to go live again shortly. So I definitely encourage people to check that out if they find this of, of interest. And uh, there'll be a number of different things there for people to check out um, post, post-podcast. Um, and I will mention at the end, but uh, anybody that's, uh, that does get something out of this and, and does enjoy the conversation, please reach out uh, to Craig and um, whether it be sending him an email or, or just leaving some comments on my page or on Facebook or um, on the iTunes podcast uh, episode, um, anywhere just to show your appreciation. I think, uh, I think Craig would, would definitely appreciate it. And it's the least that I can do for him taking time out of his day. Um, it's just, it's fantastic that I can use the podcast now as an excuse to reach out to people that I normally wouldn't even reach out to, to have a conversation. It's almost like getting, um, you know, a free, um, a free consultation in a way, uh, on, on a, on a brief, uh, a brief note. Um, but it's just, it's just great because it's, it's helping me learn more about myself and about the world around me. And, and I'm going to continue to go in this direction, moving forward with lots of different people, um, from various walks, walks of life. So, uh, really hope you enjoy it. And, um, all the uh, housekeeping and everything will be at the, at the end of the podcast. So, um, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. Um, just for people listening uh, would you like to be able to just introduce yourself and just give a little bit of a background of of who you are uh yes well my my title is associate professor craig hassard and i work at monash university most of the time initially in the medical faculty um teaching mindfulness and self-care and lifestyle um strategies to uh, medical students and then um uh, increasingly have worked um with other faculties around the university so now positions created where two days a week of my four days at Monash I'm uh, training other faculties and um, students and staff in uh, mindfulness and also do a lot of work with organisations outside of Monash as well, a lot of schools, a lot of um, professional groups, there's a lot of interest in mindfulness in the law these days for example and in uh, you know, for teachers and certainly in healthcare. Um, a lot of people are managing chronic illness uh, are interested or um, people with uh, mental health issues. So it's, a, it's, it's really one skill, I suppose. It's got a lot of different applications. It's, uh, it's very varied, as you said, in its, in its applications and, and what uh, impact it can have. And going through the, uh, the book it's, um, that I've got, and I haven't, um, it's the only book that I've read uh, from your long list of titles and, and uh, publications. So I've got, I've got quite a bit of reading to do moving forward. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the, book, the, the book Mindfulness for Life seems to be, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a, a very much an overview of the topic of mindfulness and touches on 
many aspects on a probably more of a higher level um, overall. Is that, yeah. Would that be right? Yeah, there, there are some books that talk about the practice of mindfulness in a general kind of way. There are other books that look at how it applies to particular things like depression or eating or parenting and so on. Um, but there aren't many books that bring together the science, but hopefully communicate it in a, a very accessible way along with the practice and look at its application for a whole variety of things. So obviously mental health and learning and leadership and um, how it affects our brain and the studies on health and genetics. And so there are so many interesting areas <clears throat> where mindfulness is being applied that um, and we've tried to sort of give a bit of an overview of all of those kinds of uh, issues. Mm, absolutely. And and probably just to uh, to take a step back very quickly, just for the people that are that are being introduced to the to the topic for the first time now, are you able to explain, um, I guess, on a high level, what mindfulness is? Yeah, well, mindfulness you could look on it as a form of meditation, but it's not just meditation; it's also a way of living. Now, mindfulness meditation, sometimes called the, the formal practice of mindfulness, um, the, the sort of the starting point is generally body awareness so using the senses like the sense of touch to be in touch with your body um be in touch with the breathing but in the process of doing that we start to notice more of what's going on in the mind how distractible the mind is and what's going through our mind and our emotions and reactions so it it really increases our sense of awareness so we learn to work with that not get caught up in it and learn to be able to train our attention over time and also train a less judgmental and reactive attitude even to the the things that we don't like that are occurring in our minds and bodies and, and they can arise. But then the way of living really means we're getting out of the chair after meditation and learning to be more mindful in our day-to-day -day life because there's no point in being mindful for 5 or 10 minutes or 20 minutes in a chair and then being unmindful for the other 23 hours and 40 or 50, 55 minutes in the day. Mm. So the aim is to be more attentive and present when we're eating our food, when we're walking through the park, when we're um, having conversation with our friends and, and to, to really engage more effectively at work and at night to be able to switch off and uh, go to sleep. So being mindful is really uh, a way of living as well. And so that awareness we cultivate in meditation really starts to flow out into the day, um, which is uh, one of the most useful side effects of it, really. Mm, absolutely. And some, as I said before, it's uh, it's still a fairly new topic for me, and it, it feels like I've um, I've I've found the sacred tablet, <laughs> the answers to to so many uh, to so many uh, concerns that I've had over the years, and and a lot of um, I mean it's not the be all and end all, but it definitely is the basis for a lot of the a lot of the anxieties and and worries that we we tend to have on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, it's amazing yeah. it's amazing what a little bit of awareness to stop in your tracks and just take in exactly what's happening in that time and moment uh, versus just yeah. plowing through on on autopilot which is a term i use quite a, quite a bit yes and of course the other side of the coin is, is when, when we're distracted and away with the birds and multitasking on automatic pilot then we're really not making many discerning and conscious choices we're pretty much just being driven by a habit by the environment and uh, and so on and it, it's um, it really does leave us very vulnerable not only to stress and anxiety and depression and so on but but that sort of distracted kind of existence means we don't learn as well we don't enjoy life as much we don't connect with people um, the memory doesn't work well and it's bad for our physical health as well so it's a very simple thing but it's got a lot of um a lot of side effects if you like it's like you know when you those steak knives used to be advertised you know <laughs> you buy some some sort of um um, thing and you get the six steak knives uh, free. Yeah. Well, it's like you practice mindfulness for any one reason and you get all the other benefits uh, that come free as well. <laughs> Absolute mm. uh, bang for your buck. Well, bang That's for your right. bang for the input anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's um, it is quite amazing at how simple the concept is in in theory, but um, it is quite. I don't know if it's scary or exciting, but when, for, at least for me, and I've only got myself as, as, a, as an experience, but when I've started to become a little bit more aware of um, my day-to-day -day habits and realising that I'm doing things without thinking, it's amazing how many distracting thoughts come through your mind at every moment. 
and um, you don't notice them when you're flying through on, on autopilot. But um, when you sit back and you're trying to, whether that's through meditation or when you become overwhelmed and you have to sort of remove yourself from from a uh, from a from an overwhelming uh, situation, you, you do find that uh, there's there's five or six at least uh, very predominant thoughts that are just flying through your head that you, you can't mm. actually pinpoint and hold down to. So it's a it yeah. is quite um, it's alarming to start off with that uh, that this is what at least from my end I've been dealing with all my life yeah. and I'm sure it's a very normal thing for most people. Oh yes. Yeah, I mean, you're describing the human experience, really, and it just, you know, depends on the extent to which all those problems are uh, occurring, but they occur for for everybody. And, and you see mindfulness, if you think of it one way, it's like turning up the lights. So all of a sudden you start to see a whole lot more. It didn't it didn't mean that that stuff wasn't there before. It just meant that we're oblivious to the fact that it was there. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we start to see more of what's going through our heads and our reactions and our judgments and fears and worries and preoccupations. And as you say, initially, that can be a little bit disconcerting. And so it's really important as we start to notice this, that we practice being mindful in such a way where we also practice not getting judgmental or critical um, about what's being observed. So we sort of cultivate an attitude of acceptance, and if I could use this term, Mm self-compassion, not having to judge or to criticize ourselves, but just being a little bit kind to ourselves, giving ourselves a little bit of space just to be a human being, having a human experience. But um, if if we can do it in that way, then we, it makes it easier to just gently unhook the attention from those things and to re-engage. But if we get reactive and judgmental to the thoughts and feelings we don't like having, uh, we can just find ourselves um, uh, immersed in them and caught up in them even more and more. And our attention actually fixates on the very thing that we're wishing wasn't going on. Mm. So that, that sort of gentleness, that sort of non-judgmental attitude is a very important part of paying attention in a mindful way. Definitely. And I can... I can uh, observe that in other people now that I, whether I work with or I associate with in personal life, friends and family, and I can see those moments when somebody is fixated on one particular event that happened, you know, yesterday or last month or several years ago, and they keep going over and over it in their head, or they're doing the other the other direction where they are. Uh, putting a lot of mental energy into an event that actually hasn't happened yet or chances are it will never happen. But they put themselves through so much grief in anticipation of this thing in their minds actually hap- is going to happen that they just completely uh, put themselves <laughs> into, a, yeah. into a, a horrible state of suffering. Yes, well, that's right. That, that, you see, the vast majority of our stress uh, or the, the stress response that we're activating is not based on something <clears throat> that's really there in the present moment reality. It's in all the things we're anticipating and worrying about and all the things that we're replaying and reliving. You know, I mean, if we have a stress response, because if a tiger walked into the room I'm sitting in at the moment, I can assure you I'd activate the fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're a Mick fanning out in a surf and uh, comes a shark and um, wants to eat you in um, live on television, television and a surfing final well as he said i just activated the you know i went straight into fight or flight yeah, absolutely and that that stress response is there to save our life it's actually a good response when we really need it but the problem is that when when we're living in a future that hasn't happened and it could be you know anxious about something that might or might not happen in the future or just thinking about how much work we've got to do before the end of the day and the end of the week and the end of the year or when we're reliving stuff that we don't like from the past then we're creating stressors out of the phantoms of our imagination mm. we unhook from present moment reality and we live in a world that's actually not really there other than in our imagination and that um, makes us feel awful but the physiological effect of activating that stress response when it's not actually required um, it really accumulates over time so we could be you know in bed at night and there it is at um, 3am and present moment reality is a soft mattress a pillow a warm doona and a quiet room Mm. a totally stress-free environment but in our mind we could be totally somewhere else and if we're unmindful we leave ourselves very vulnerable to that and that um, it really doesn't help us at all no not at all and one of the the, the good examples that i found in in uh, the book was um around the um the stress levels on a monday morning uh for, yeah. for a lot of people that go to work and everyone's worried about the week ahead and starting their day on, on the monday morning and worrying about things that may not actually eventuate and uh, putting themselves through so much, uh, so much internal stress, um, and yeah. it's, it's a very much a normal thing. And uh, luckily for me, I, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty good overall. But um, I've certainly, in 
times of um, what probably normally would be a stressful uh, set of days coming up, coming up for, whether it be work or whatnot, um, I've definitely learnt to take um, the old saying of crossing that bridge if and when it comes. And, yeah. um, and just at this point in time realising, well, is there anything that I can do right now that's going to change the outcome later on? And if there's not, then sit back and relax and just wait. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that's, and, sure. and that's all that's all I can do. But it was a great example because that's something that I see every, especially with social media these days, and that's probably another, another topic altogether, but uh, seeing friends and, and family and whatnot, and it's very much a... a a, uh, a constant routine Monday morning and everyone updating their profiles saying, oh, you know, another week and I hate work or I hate Mondays and whatever. And so they're already putting mm. themselves in that negative headspace, setting themselves up to fail, so to speak. Well, that's right. And uh, and that kind of thinking just doesn't get us anywhere. And we're already living a disaster when before anything's even happened. Mm. And then that mindset, we take that into the day and it really starts to colour how we see things, how we interact with people, how we respond to opportunities. And again, that's not helpful either. And, and what you're saying about the, you know, the Monday mornings and every study that's looked at it in working populations has found the same thing, that the peak period for heart attacks in the week is around seven o'clock on Monday morning. <laughs> Person hasn't even gotten to work yet and just the thought of everything that might or might not happen if there's a heart attack waiting to happen uh, then that's uh, quite a common trigger for it and um, and again it's so much to do with what we imagine what we project what we anticipate so this sort of learning to live and work more mindfully means just one moment one step one job at a time mm. and uh, sitting in a chair and practicing meditation helps us to do that by just paying attention for example to one breath at a time mm. just to feel the one breath at a time and when we translate that into our working life well then we just step ourselves through the day one step at a time if we're doing one job and we're thinking about the other hundred we've got to do then we feel a hundred times more pressure than we actually need to to just deal with the one thing that's in front of us Absolutely. and that um, so much of the pressure in work is, uh, is really I mean you know in part it can be the situation that we're in but it's also in large part the extra pressure that we load on ourselves mm. and so I wonder how anyone can can truly be productive mm. in a in a job when they're loading themselves up with so much so much stress over you know as you said with the example of if you've got one job to do but you've got another hundred that are sitting in the back of your mind that are that are weighing down on you it's it's a wonder how anyone can really truly have focus on what they're currently doing at that point in time mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one thing I touched on very quickly, and this could be quite a, we could be going down a rabbit hole, so to speak, but um, I'll, I'll try not to spend too much time on it. But with, um, I guess with the internet in general and social media and everyone having smartphones and, and um, having access to so much technology and, and there's obviously a lot of benefits to it as far as um, having access to, to learning material and getting educated and, and a lot more uh, free, uh, free-flowing uh, sort of thought out there. Um, at the same time, it, it's very much a, a disposable uh, mentality that's coming through where people are uh, quick to, like people are getting bored or distracted very quickly. Yes. So they're flicking through things very quickly. If something's not engaging them straight away, they move on to the next thing and they move on to the next thing. And do you, do you believe that's probably a big um, force against mindfulness or a challenge that, mm -hmm. uh, for, especially for you, that's trying to uh, teach mindfulness and, and bring it to more people? Is that, do you think that's one of the big hurdles that you have in front of you? Oh, yes. I mean, technology, modern technology, as um, useful as it can be, uh, it can be an enormous source of distraction. You know, one of the greatest enemies of um, attention these days is multitasking under the assumption we pay attention to multiple complex things at the same time. Mm. And the science is clear on this. The jury's not out. The human brain doesn't do that. Mm. We're, it's, um, so we flit over the surface of things and so on. And the other thing, the amount of screen time we have, um, the more screen time, the less we're able to engage attention effectively especially when we're flipping from thing to thing. There was a Microsoft report that just uh, came out in Canada a few weeks ago and they are saying that the uh, average human now has a, an attention span less than that of a goldfish. And um, <laughs> so it's been on the decline for a while, so we're not travelling well. No. I did see a, a quite an interesting study that came out of um, Denmark uh, just uh, uh, not long before Christmas and there was uh, over a 1,000 people in the study. They got half of them to unplug for a week 
and they measured various aspects of their mental health and self-esteem and well-being. So these were young people. Mm. And then um, when they measured them again at the end of the week, those who had been unplugged for the week were, I think it was 55% less likely to have uh, be feeling stressed and, and their mood had improved, their self-esteem had improved and so on. And um, so these sort of social media and everything can be really, um, you know, uh, great if used well, but people are starting to feel dominated by it. Mm. Uh, there's a learning cartoon I saw recently, uh, um, I'm not your device, you are my device. <laughs> and, uh, he has a person look at his mobile phone. And um, and it's it's sort of more and more like that, an addiction. And we're, we're not sort of the master of the technology, we're becoming dominated by it. And, um, and I think that's something that a lot of schools, a lot of parents are starting to really think uh, again about um, how do we use that in a discerning way. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm certainly a victim... Uh, and a slave to, to my device, to, to my, my phone. I, I'm always getting in trouble by, by the fiancé for um, having my head in my phone and, and being off with the fairies and not listening to what's going on. And, and for whatever reason, it's, and it's quite funny when I talk about it because it sounds so silly, but um, I see it with every, a lot of other people I, I'm uh, friends with. And, you know, if you go out of range, out of reception, and you can't use your phone for uh, a, a small period of time, you almost get this very slight sense of anxiety because you're, <laughs> you're being disconnected from what you think is reality. <laughs> and it's good. Yes. But, I mean, for me, I, I was lucky enough that I got to experience life before the smartphone came in and, mm. and obviously uh, post as well. And I do remember having, you know, our parents would let us ride off down the street and we'd go cross over a couple of suburbs to somebody's house on our own and if anything happened, we had a, a few cents on us to, to use a payphone and call up or they'd, my parents would have to try and work out where we were and call around to a few different houses, but there was not that sense of panic and anxiety of being disconnected in that sense. But now it's um, nobody would ever dare to let, let their child roam the streets without, uh, without a device on them and being connected. So mm -hmm. this new generation of kids, that's all they're going to know. So they would probably feel that sense of anxiety even more so than, than what I do. So yes. it's, it is a bit concerning in that sense. Yes, that's right. And that's a kind of, um, I saw another study suggesting about a quarter of young people they, these days would have what was a diagnosable addiction to mm. their um, uh, technology. So um, uh, because it's got all those hallmarks of, um, you know, if there's separation, there's anxiety and um, uh, compulsive use of it and so on. And it, um, uh, and it's, it gets harder and harder to control. Mm. And um so I think being brought up in ways of using that technology well um, will serve the next generation well. Often, you know, walking through the university grounds or, or down the street and so on, and you see so many students walking along with their head buried in this very small screen. <laughs> yeah. And that's the modern view of what it means to be connected. Mm. And uh, I, just, I, just, I just find it very interesting to just, you know, watch... Um, people going about their lives and so on but on one level there's a, a connectedness but on another level there's a disconnectedness from the people and the environment that you're actually in absolutely it's uh, i think unfortunately like a lot of things um i think the mass majority of people will not react and try to change something or educate people for the better until something hits critical mass and it might be a case that it'll be later on down the track that this really becomes truly an epidemic, so to speak, or, you know, something that's really sort of being highlighted before any action's being done as far as like a, an education um, for, you know, on a mass scale, that is. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. And actually, probably I'm probably off on a slight tangent here, but um, I have a few friends that have actually rebelled against <laughs> the smartphone uh, world and they've gone back to to try and track down the old Nokia bricks that uh, that just did <laughs> that just did the, the texting and calling and that's it. It's and, a fashion statement. Well, that, yeah, so there, there is a bit of an ulterior, ulterior motive behind it, but um, it's quite funny because uh, some of these people are using it and they love it because the phone's not as sensitive as they are now. It can be dropped and kicked around and it, it still works and it's great. It does the same functions as what a phone should do and there is now this sort of sense of being sort of connected back to reality but being disconnected from that you know that reality that they thought they had of um, being online and being connected virtually with with a lot of people so a lot of these people that I know that have done it 
have actually felt quite refreshed by making that, making that decision. Yes. Oh, well, excellent. It might I mean, be a new trend. Inter- yes, interesting <laughs> experiment to do, sort of going retro in an IT kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the book, there was it was quite interesting going through and, and after reading it, it definitely, definitely made a lot of sense and wasn't, to me, I was, uh, it shouldn't have been so surprising in hindsight, but um, the way that, and you touched on it a little bit at the start, about mindfulness and, and the ben- benefits or the impacts or the side effects that you, you also uh, used the term on other aspects of our of our lives, so we said before, like anxiety or um, people with attention deficit disorders, pain, uh, particular topics like heart disease and uh, weight management, sleeping, aging illnesses. Um, there's just there's so many things there that uh, that there's been, as you've put in the book, there's either been studies that have shown uh, positive impacts from mindfulness on these particular aspects or. Uh, just drawn links to show that uh, there can be some long-term benefits to to having your mind in the right the right headspace. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely um, it, it's quite it's quite exciting in a way because um, it's not it's not the wonder pill, <laughs> but it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, is definitely going to increase your chances at a at a, an overall healthier um, lifestyle. Yes. Because if we can't get the mindfulness bit right, it's hard to do any of the other things that we want to do well. So, and when the studies started coming through in the early 2000s about the the impact of mindfulness in preventing um, further episodes of depression, um, and, you know, with people that had recurrent depression where, you know, medical treatments are really not working, um, people really started to take it seriously and then there were studies on chronic pain and stress and, and then people started to look at the brain, does it change the brain how it works and sure enough they found that it did. Does it change immunity? Yes, it improves immunity so greater resistance and less inflammation and um, then they even looked at um, DNA and uh, an Australian woman won the Nobel Prize uh, uh, in medicine um, in 2009 for discovering telomeres and they're like um, um, little caps on the end of our chromosomes mm. and they're a marker of our biological age. So if your telomeres are shortening faster, mm. then you're aging faster and your risk of chronic illnesses goes up. Mm. And what they've found is that mindfulness um, actually uh, helps to turn around the aging process. So it actually switches on the repair enzymes and slows down the rate of aging. And uh, you know, so these are very interesting effects. It's not just the person, you know, finishing meditation with a smile and saying, oh, I feel better, but oh, you're just imagining it. Mm. They're actually well-documented now um, changes in all sorts of levels. And um, so, but the other thing is in terms of making decisions, changing our lifestyle, so somebody's trying to stop smoking or somebody's trying to, you know, eat a better, um, <clears throat> better diet and so on, then if we're not able to manage the urges for the, uh, you know, something like smoking, if we're suppressing and fighting with those urges, then it tends to be exhausting and not very easy to maintain the, mm. um, you know, the change. Whereas mindfulness teaches people to sort of ride those urges, or sometimes called urge surfing, and that's been used very successfully for um, helping people with smoking, other addictions, um, eating disorders, and so on. Of course, when it's being used in mental health and addiction um, uh, sort of context, you you want a, a very experienced mindfulness teacher. And somebody who's got skills in working in those areas with um, people who are experiencing those problems. But um, it really does seem like, a, 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 you know, one generic girl that's got many, many particular applications. One thing that uh, I guess for me, and this is a very, uh, very ignorant way of thinking what I used to have was when people talked about meditation in a general sense, it was very woo-woo, it was very hippie, it was very... Um, <laughs> very um i'm trying to think of another another word but uh it was it was those sort of uh, stigmas attached to, to meditation in general um that definitely turned me off initially because i didn't understand the concept but i think for a lot of people out there um even today a lot of people still have that mentality around it do you find that there's a a challenge with with trying to create awareness around mindfulness or just meditation in general um, yes and no. <clears throat> uh, some people do have those kinds of um, stereotypical notions or 
they've sort of dismissed it, um, you know, a long time ago and never really, without even understanding it or, or looking into it. And I think sometimes, well, you know, med- meditation can certainly be taught in a very hippie-ish kind of way and um, can be uh, taught in a way that uh, seems to be very sort of, as you said before, woo-woo. Mm. And... Um, but uh, certainly I've not struck that. I mean, I've been teaching in university environments and uh, outside in various organisations, you know. Uh, I won't, you know, list them all. I was talking at a law firm yesterday and um, and uh, at a school to uh, Year 12 uh, students and um, um, previously to that to a um, large um cancer organization and so on so that's all just this week but the way i go about presenting it is to um give people a rationale Mm. hopefully explain it in a way that is simple and down to earth and practical make sure that it's backed up by what the science and the evidence has got to say about it and um before moving into the practice side of it Mm. So that um, I think by the end of that, I've struck very few people who are dismissive of it because dismissing it is not like based on, um, oh, there's a whole lot of science to say that um, doesn't have any benefits. Mm. It's just it's just dismissing it on the basis of having a closed mind. But I find the vast majority of people, if it can be presented to them in a way that makes sense, then um, they're very open to it. It doesn't mean all sit down and start practicing meditation twice a day every day for the rest of their lives but at least they realize a bit about what it is and and uh, and many will start to start to apply it yeah absolutely and do you find that awareness is building do you think there's more people that are open to it now than than what it was previously oh look i i think there's an enormous amount of awareness and um you know large organizations um uh, you know schools um, in the health setting, um, so th- th- for example, say in Melbourne, there's hardly a major um, school in Melbourne now not uh, actively engaged in developing mindfulness curriculum or at least providing mindfulness resources. Mm. And um, I mean, that's not just the work that I've been doing, but other colleagues uh, like I work with here, Richard Chambers at Monash University, people like Smiling Mind have done a fantastic job in promoting uh, mindfulness and meditation uh, around the community and especially for uh, kids and adolescents and and um, so there's a lot of really good work going on and there's uh, an abundance of um, good um, resources to use mm. absolutely um, I'll I will rattle off uh, all the um, the books that you've uh, been a part of or, or written yourself um, in the um the intro and the outro of the, of the podcast itself and I'll link people to where they can obtain a copy as well. Um, but there's quite a, a number of interesting ones that I've still got to pick up um, and they looked, especially um, there's one that, uh, The Mindful Home, which I thought was quite interesting, and mm-hmm. Mindful Learning as well, uh, especially on the topic of learning where I see a lot yeah. more people now that doesn't seem to be, at least in the circles that I, that I associate with, um, a lot yeah. of people don't master anything anymore um and it's Mm. not so much of a choice but more so due to that lack of focus to be able to focus on one thing in particular so i'm i may be uh preempting this but i assume that that mindful learning would would focus a little bit or loosely around uh topics such as that yes it's mindful learning's all around um, the things that teachers um parents um or more mature students uh, want to know to help bring mindfulness into their education life. So it helps them to learn better, to mature better. So it's really um, it's really aimed at, at helping people to, to do that. And um, uh, so it, it's the principle of the, the kind of programs we run here at Monash and that we introduce to all of our students here and doing a lot of work with schools as we do. Mm. And... Um, uh, it'd be good um, for uh, your followers as well to maybe have a look at Smiling Mind. Mm-hmm. And one other thing I could recommend as well is um, uh, my colleague here at, um, at uh, Monash, Richard Chambers, and myself were asked by Monash to develop a, um, a mindfulness program, and it's on the platform FutureLearn. So mm-hmm. if people Google FutureLearn mindfulness, then they'll come up. And uh, it's a free online course, runs over six weeks, and it goes live again on February 8th. 
Mm-hmm. So people can register for it any time uh, up to six weeks after February 8 and have ongoing access to the materials. But it's all free. It's got guided practices. It's got the, some of the background, things to read, useful links. So uh, I recommend that to um, uh, your followers as well if they want to do a practical course as well as uh, read any of the books that you mentioned. Yeah, fantastic. I'll uh, I'll put some links up so people can uh, have a look at that. And I did see that mentioned. It was quite intriguing. I think I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give that a stab myself as well. Um, Great. One last thing, which I did touch on a little bit before, but um, and it was mentioned on your, um, on your profile page, that um, you're the founding president of the Australian Teachers and Medi- Meditation Associ- Association, is that correct? Yep. Yes, that's right. And I don't know... I don't know anything about the association at all, um, but are you able to touch on what, um, I guess, what the aim of the association is or what the, um, the mission statement or what, 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 what sort of direction um, the association moves in? Yes, well, some years ago, um, Pauline McKinnon, who's a well-known meditation teacher in Melbourne, approached me. Um, she said she wanted to have a talk about a, an idea or a concept, and uh, and the idea was forming a meditation association for people who teach meditation, and also to be a resource for people in the community who want to learn meditation. Mm. And to be a, a member of uh, the Teachers Association, um, you have to have had really sound training, be very experienced, um, and uh, be qualified in various ways in order to be a member. So mm. it's like it's like a professional college or um, uh, organisation. And um, so that if if somebody um, wants to do a meditation course and somebody has uh, been accredited by uh, ATMA, the Australian Teachers and Meditation Association, then they'll know that they're an experienced practitioner and um, uh, and have been well trained mm. because you can go anywhere and somebody can just attend a one-hour workshop and say, now I teach meditation, <laughs> and, um, uh, and they may not actually be very experienced. And we break it up into three main areas as well. Those who are using it for self-development, so just general well-being and, and, uh, and so on. Then there are those who are using it within a spiritual or religious context, and some people are interested in that and others aren't. And then there's um, for those who uh, uh, want it for therapeutic reasons, so people might have major medical or mental health or pain problems who um, uh, need somebody who's a trained health practitioner as well as being an experienced um, mindfulness or meditation teacher. Mm. So so we we set it up for those kinds of reasons and... um, so it's um, certainly been going very well and um, it's been a very valuable resource, uh, resource if people uh, do want to, um, uh, you know, um, Google it and, um, and look up some of the resources. Yeah, absolutely. I assume it'd be similar. I could be, I could be way off the mark here, but just from what you mentioned there, similar to what um, in the finance world with financial planners and they, and they have an association where they can regulate um, the practitioner's in, in that particular field. So at least you know that they meet a certain standard and, and obviously, as you mentioned before, they're able to be um, separated into particular fields of, of expertise as well. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, fantastic. And uh, I'll, as I said before, I'll put all the, the uh, links and resources. Um, I'll make a mention of it on the, uh, on the episode itself and I'll also put them on the website so people can click on all the links and hopefully, uh, hopefully take advantage of, um, of all this material. There's quite a bit there. So I, as I said, I've only read Mindfulness for Life, but it was such a, it was such a dramatic book for me in the sense that it just... It just blew my mind away, and so to speak. Um, it just—it really—it just felt like it unlocked something that I just didn't even realise was locked in the first place. And uh, and now it just feels like nothing, nothing's as bad as what it seems, and everything can be uh, can be taken on, and and uh, and we can work through it, and and uh, and just taking that moment to take a breath, so to speak, and just take in and realise uh, what's actually going on in the present moment. Uh, even that alone, let alone everything else, is is such a dramatic uh, tool to have if um, if you're aware of it. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you got so much out of it. That's no. what it's for. <laughs> well, it's, the, it's the start of hopefully a very, uh, a very long journey, but uh, something that uh, I'll continue to, to get better and better at because I'm sure, like, like most people, you... 
you have your you have your good moments and your bad moments where you you lose lose your sense of mindfulness. So it's always a, mm. it's always a challenge, but um, it's it's a good challenge to have and something that yeah. um, we'll keep working on. Excellent, Andy. All right, great. Thank you very much, and um, I'll let you know when it's all up and up and running as well. But thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks, okay. Andy. All the best. Sir. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed that one. Um, hopefully Damien was able to fix up uh, a lot of those uh, crazy noises that were coming through. Hopefully it was just in my headphones. I'm, I'm actually recording this outro straight away after the interview um, just to, I guess, maximise the time I've got at the moment. Um, but, yeah, for whatever reason, there was a lot of interference coming through. So hopefully um, it, would salv- it was salvageable and, and hasn't come through. But if it has, uh, thanks for being patient and putting up with it. So I'll have to find a a new location to uh, to record in. I'm currently sitting in a in a room which um, there must be a lot of uh, electronics uh, buzzing around the area, so it's throwing everything out of whack. But um, I'll be putting all the links in the show notes. Please jump over to uh, andysocial.net. You'll find uh, all the notes and links and resources on uh, the website itself. Um, all the books that uh, that uh, Craig's been involved with um, or written himself solely. Um, some of those books include Mindfulness for Life, which is the book that I read. So straight off the bat, highly recommended. I think it's a great starting point into the topic itself. Um, it does go into detail in some areas. It does get a little bit scientific, but um, as mentioned in the podcast, I th- I think it has been written in a way that's very digestible. It's um, For me, I'm certainly not uh, of the scientific mind whatsoever, um, so I think that's probably uh, probably enough of an indicator to, to say that it's definitely written in a in a way that can be um, can be easily uh, easily read and, and taken in by by most people. Um, but it does overview on it does do an overview on a number of topics and number of things that we all go through on a daily basis and or come across um, at some stage or another in our lives. And um, I think if anyone can just learn a little fraction of of uh, what mindfulness is um watch your life dramatically change it's it's just fantastic and and as i as i said multiple times in in the interview it's um it is something that uh you know it's an ongoing thing and i've got to continue to to work on it and get better and at times it you know the mindfulness doesn't exist whatsoever and <laughs> i'm doing the, the old knee-jerk react to a situation but um but yeah it's uh it's definitely a great tool to have and something that i hope will as as you know doing weights or exercise you strengthening strengthening a muscle and and hopefully i can continue to strengthen uh, this, whether it be just meditation in general or, or whether it be just, uh, you know, day-to-day mindfulness of, of everything that's going around, around me in my life. So uh, I, I really hope that uh, you're able to get something out of it. If for whatever reason, um, you did, uh, p- please contact, uh, Dr. Hassed on, um, you know, I'll have links and, and information of, uh, contact details. Um, please reach out to him, even just to let him know that you enjoyed it and, uh, support him and, and what he's doing by picking up a book. Um, he did mention the online course. I'll have the links to that on there as well. It's a free course. So you've really got nothing to lose, just, just your time. And I think it's probably time well invested. Um, he is currently writing a book from what I read on his bio and I'd forgot to mention it but I'll mention it now um it's mindfulness and medical education so it might not be and because I didn't get a chance to touch on it I don't know the the whole premise behind it um but I'm not sure whether it's more of an education for medical students or whether and practitioners or whether it's medical education for the general public I'm not entirely sure but uh please keep a lookout keep in touch and uh as uh, time moves on later in the year, hopefully when that book's out, um, we might be able to do another follow-up with him and and uh, and get a bit of a, an idea of what that's all about and, and hopefully give you guys an opportunity to grab it as well. Um, I think that's probably it. Um, with that, uh, I'm just stuttering all over the place. Uh, so housekeeping, andysocial.net. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just type in Andy Dowling. Um, you'll find me on there or Andy, the Andy Social Podcast on Facebook if you just search that. Um, iTunes, throw a review or a rating on the episode or the podcast in general. It all helps. It's, 
a dramatic uh, help to to the podcast and its overall exposure to to more people. If you go get out there and, and rate and review it, um, same thing on any other podcast player uh, platform. If there's any way to interact and leave a comment or review or anything of the sort, please do. So it's it means a lot. Um, Please share them around. Please talk to other people about uh, about podcasts in general, but uh, but definitely about about this podcast. And if there's an episode, especially this one, you might know somebody that could really benefit from mindful uh, mindfulness. And um, I know a few people that suffer greatly from anxiety on a daily basis, and a lot of things where they where they truly worry about things that uh, either ha- haven't happened yet, or more than likely won't ever happen or they're stuck in the past as well. So um, mindfulness for those people, I'm hoping that I can introduce them to it, whether it be through this podcast or through the books, um, and hopefully uh, get them into a better headspace and a better quality of life. So if you do know anyone out there, this might be a really good introduction on a very basic level to introduce them to mindfulness and then hopefully from there uh, encourage some enthusiasm to, to look into the topic um, in greater detail. And if you do have any feedback on on it, um, on mindfulness or your experiences with it, leave some comments or contact me directly as well. I'd love to, love to chat about it. Um, as always, and I forget to mention it every episode, but uh, it's always there. Use the code word Andy Social on uh, our Lord online store, and you'll get ten percent off uh, anything on the store. That's there indefinitely, so you can use it whenever you want. Um, that's just a way of saying thanks for you guys for listening. For those people that are interested in in uh, the band in Lord or or Dungeon, um, there's heaps of stuff on there, and there's a few other um, titles on there also. Um, that is about it. Uh, our podcast catch up party or whatever I'm going to call it will still, I still haven't pinned in the date. It'll either be the, the second last or the last Saturday in May. Um, more details to come, um, as I, uh, pull my finger out and get that all sorted. Um, if you haven't heard exactly what that's all about, go back and listen to the last couple of episodes where I've touched on it very briefly. Um, but, uh, yeah, keep those Saturdays free if you can. Um, if anyone's actually got any preference of which Saturday they would prefer, let me know. Cause, um, at the moment I haven't even bothered looking to see what's around that time, but, uh, if I, I can get some general feedback from people, then I might sway in one particular direction than, than the other, but, uh, I'll hopefully have that date locked in very soon, but, uh, yep. Thanks again. And, uh, I really appreciate all the support you guys give and, uh, lots of interviews coming up over the, over the coming weeks and, uh, and a lot more like this where I'll just try and, uh, talk to people for the first time and and uh people that aren't uh, within the music industry so we'll continue to broaden our horizons and and all learn something together and or at the very, at the very least you can just tune in to me learning <laughs> all right thanks guys appreciate it Ta-ta.